Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Sal Vetri here, and we're going to take a first look. And this is a very cursory first look. I have some interests, if you will, sorted out here on this spreadsheet. But first look, we're 11 days away from the Super Bowl. Don't worry, we'll have a lot more coverage on this showdown slate and the Super Bowl. I'll be doing a video. I'll be on some other shows, but I'll also be doing a video on some of the player props that I like that stand out sometime next week, closer to the games when we have all the official statuses of some players, some key players like Tevin Coleman, the main one, how that impacts the rest of the running backs, how that impacts the entire offensive game plan for these teams going into it. Um, So some of that stuff, as I break down into it more, we'll have a final thoughts for the showdown. So just showing you what's coming for the Super Bowl. There'll be a live stream. There'll be a show on the betting on the prop side of it. And then there'll be a final thought show after this one, maybe a higher level uh, strategy show for showdown, just because of the interest that will be here for the Super Bowl. But if you're tuning me in on this one, uh, I have the salaries loaded up here. I have my interest filtered. I do not have the normal in-depth analysis that will be on the final thoughts one that will be probably sometime next week. But welcome if you are new. This video is sponsored by Fantasy Draft, the rake free, the revolutionizing the way, the mecca of daily fantasy sports, if you will, Fantasy Draft changing the way that you play saving 15 to 30 percent of your lifetime rake by going to fantasy draft or at least getting some action over there also just not a spot where a lot of pros are going heavy on yet because not big pri- not the biggest of prize pools and hard to manage a lot of sites especially on day-to-day types of games like maybe nba nhl mlb when that runs back around so be sure to check out fantasy draft there's a link up down below up down below wow uh, but down below in the description you can check that out it does help me if you just click the link but i do encourage you to actually check out what fantasy draft has to offer linked down below is there a lot lobby as well. So showdown slate, Super Bowl. Look, there's going to be a lot of strategies. There's going to be a lot of ways that you can try and convince yourself that you're knowing it the right way. At the end of the day, I think that the way that DraftKings has priced this showdown slate, and I'm not too much of a fan of the FanDuel slate and, and how that they go with the 1.5x and whatever it is, you have to rank pretty much two captains in a descending order of to- total multipliers. Um, what I like from this showdown slate, and it, it is difficult, Last year was the wildest of all things when you had Brian Jester win the million dollars when you just need Julian Edelman and then a bunch of kickers defenses, right? The, the no, no offense in that game when you were expecting a lot of offense with the Rams on the field and the Patriots to an extent not having the defense that they had this year. Now you have a situation where we don't know what to expect. A nice, a nice total, pretty much a pick at this point, a one point spread in a lot of places. And DraftKings did a damn good job pricing everybody either appropriately or pricing them up for certain situations if somebody was to miss, and then just in general probably overpricing some players, which makes it even more difficult. I don't really see a lot of value that screams out that is a fantastic play. Now, I think there's a couple of good options because they're cheap, but nowhere near the that's a slam dunk play. He's starting in my showdown lineup like you've had a lot of the times on a lot of these one Super Bowl slates the first one last year. It might have been the second one last year, but uh, and a lot of just showdown slates throughout the year where there was a hundred all the way up to four hundred thousand dollar prize pools at times. Now with a million dollars on the line, and I think there's a couple, two different millionaire makers. It's going to be interesting to see lineup construction. I have been quoted this year saying that when I play showdown slates, I rarely will play a quarterback that is $12,000 or above. I have yet to do it outside of Lamar Jackson on his two showdown slates. And look, it's just extremely unique when a guy who's going to run and throw and usually be the only top producer on the entire slate in those games, at least it was. It's hard to ignore him, even if he is 13K plus. 
That's not the case this week with Patrick Mahomes. Like I, I see him as the highest priced player. Uh, all these are utility salary, utility salaries, not the captain slot. But twelve thousand six hundred for Mahomes um, seems steep. And look, I get it. The week that he was twelve thousand plus in the regular season, he got hurt. I got very lucky that I had zero percent of him. I take aggressive stances on these showdowns. If you play it safe, you're either going to min cash some of your lineups. Maybe one pops off a little bit, but you're probably not winning the million dollars. So in spots like this, if Patrick Mahomes on a showdown slate where there's a ton of casuals player playing the millionaire maker in any other contests as an early look at 12-6 I'm fine saying that I feel okay getting to 0% of Patrick Mahomes now before everybody's heads explode and say you don't like Patrick no I like him this is a game theory play where he's 12,600 he is a quarterback and look if Patrick Mahomes has a big day probably Kelsey or Hill one of them are gonna have a big day they're both expensive. Kelsey, 9,600. Hill, 11,000. So getting to all three, getting to two of them might even be difficult, especially if you're going to captain one of them. And on a slate where you're facing the number one pass defense, yes, they finished the year slightly ahead of, if you're talking about secondary coverage, the New England Patriots in the San Francisco 49ers with the defensive line that they have, a top five pressure unit. Um, the offensive line for the Chiefs has been improved, but it's a spot that I do think the 49ers match up fine. And it doesn't mean to the extent where Mahomes is just going to get shut down. There was a stat that came out that the three mobile quarterbacks at the 49ers have faced this year, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson twice. They have a combined rating of around 74 against this team. Everybody else is like in the 38 range, quarterback rating. It's it's atrocious. Mahomes, without a doubt, has looked a lot more mobile um, since the knee injury, which he didn't think you would see this year. He has. You saw the big 20-plus yard touchdown in the AFC Championship game against the Titans. It's a spot where he does have that upside in him. So when there are guys above $12,000, I consider them more, one, depending on the slate, is there other top-tier options? Are there other cheap options to make me feel comfortable getting? to Mahomes, especially do they correlate? And I think the answer to that is yes. You have Mahomes, you have Demarcus Robinson at 2,600. I don't love it, but you have McCole Hardman, another option at 2,200. They correlate, they're cheap. They allow you to get Mahomes into your lineup. But after that, you're looking at $7,000 Sammy Watkins. And then like we talked about Hill and Kelsey at 9,600 and 11,000 respectively, it makes it a little bit more difficult. But there are options. I'm not saying that there's no way in heck anybody can play Mahomes. I personally just feel more comfortable if I imagine he comes in at 50, 60% ownership, even at this price tag, and trust me, quarterbacks go over-owned all the time, especially in the captain spot. You might get Mahomes in there 15, 20% ownership in the captain spot. It's just not anything I have any interest in in the captain spot. I will definitely be coming in below the field on Mahomes based on this cursory first look, depending on what injuries and any type of game plans that we can kind of think up more throughout the week as I do the final thoughts video. Tyreek Hill, I've had, I would have a lot more interest in putting him in my captain spot, but he's also expensive. I have a lot more interest in him overall, but he's also going to be facing his most difficult task yet this entire season with the San Francisco 49ers secondary. I imagine bracket coverage, one of the best bracket coveraging teams in the entire league, if not the best this season outside of maybe the Patriots who might've had a little bit better personnel with um, McCourty when he was healthy and JC Jackson compared to the Mosleys and the Witherspoons that is going to be the, the depth behind Richard Sherman. Still mostly though, been fantastic for the 49ers, their number two cornerback has jumped ahead of Witherspoon. It's a spot where Hill does stand out a little bit more than Mahomes for me. And then you start going down. All these Chiefs are wildly expensive in a game where they probably have a more difficult time scoring than usual, or at least that's what I'm thinking right now. And maybe that's not the way to think. Maybe I have to force myself to be more contrarian because you saw last year the exact, I mean, what, 5 10% of the time at most that game scores the way that it actually scores between the Patriots and Rams. But those are things that if you're on that 5 to 10% of the outcome, where people are only on it 1% of the time, you're clearly going to be live for a, f- a top finish. So I do like Hill to Mahomes right now. And I don't think that I, I feel as if Mahomes will still be popular at this price tag. 
and I'm okay getting away from that. We'll see as the week goes on. Maybe that won't be the case depending on what content looks like. Tyreek Hill seems fine. Damian Williams again seems fine. A guy who's going to touch the ball 16 times, 18 maybe, depending on how this game goes. The 49ers defensive line, if anything, they struggle bottom third of the league in tackling. Some injuries are going to affect that now with Quan Alexander and D Ford seemingly going to be completely healthy by the time the Super Bowl rolls around 11 days from now. It makes Williams not as appealing, a top 10 run defense in the 49ers, but you can get yours, especially if you're a pass catching back on these linebackers. It's a spot that that's probably the best advantage for most teams attacking this this short intermediate range of the 49ers. But the Kansas City Chiefs have other plans when you have the weapons of the Harmons, the Hills, the Kelseys, and you can attack anybody downfield. It's really going to be enjoyable, and I'm happy these two teams are in it. You have power offense versus power defense. So Damian Williams, we'll see how much of a priority he is. He's just so live to score touchdowns the way that they use him, not only in the red zone, but on big plays as well in both the running and passing game. Somebody that I have some interest in, but not a ton. As I look down this slate a little bit more, you have Raheem Mostar at 9,400 and Travis Kelsey at 96. Kelsey so far probably stands out the most for me. His matchup downfield is something that I think you're going to see uh, this team take advantage of. He's not like Kittle on the other side who can just disappear like he has the first two games of the season because they go very run heavy, which is another format that you might actually see this week. Even if they try and stop it, the Packers are overloading the box. Kyle Shanahan's running schemes are just so good in advance and the number one running schemes in the entire league that it didn't matter. Even with Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman going down, Mostert was still able to just absolutely destroy a team that was stacking the box against him the whole game unreal what that offensive line was able to do in the play calling schemes, just misdirections, uh, creating confusion, deception, all of that is what he was doing. So yeah, most start at 9,400. If Tevin Coleman is out, is somebody I have interest in, is somebody that I'm completely fine getting to. And I'm not shocked just because, oh, they've done it the first two games to Minnesota and Green Bay, that now you're going to have to go to the Jimmy G 35 pass attempt game. I'm not shocked to see Jimmy G throw 20 times, 18 times, and then continue to run the ball, which is their number one advantage here against this Kansas City Chiefs defense, improving both in the running game and the passing game of the Chiefs, but still the biggest advantage is on the ground. You have two weeks to scheme for it. You imagine, you imagine they're going to try and take away Mostart or Coleman. Coleman right now dislocated, I believe it was shoulder. He's said to be a questionable. I don't know which way it's leaning. We don't have much news on it as of right now, but questionable. He is at 6,400. I'm not expecting him to play, so I have him as a no right now. But Mostert, I, I do think, is, is surely in play. I think he sees a lot of work in this game. The game is going to stay close enough for him to touch the ball 16 to 18 times. If anything, though, if I had to guess, he's one of the guys who I would say is a little bit overwhelmed. There was a game plan where Matt Breida really wasn't supposed to be involved in that game. Tevin Coleman goes down. If Coleman doesn't play in this game, I think Matt Breida will be more heavily involved. Some Jeff Wilson will probably be active as well. If Coleman does play, well, then Coleman will be more heavily involved. So I think that you're paying a price tag for Mostart for him to be the main back when I think either way, Coleman will be active. And even if he's not, I think Breida will get more work than he did last week just because of having two weeks to scheme Breida back into the offense where he was just working as a, a eight snap type of player before that wasn't needed to take on a huge role as Mostart was ready to do. So I, I do think Mostart's fine, but at this price point as of right now, if he does pick up ownership after the last big game, I'm fine coming in under that. So I don't have any rankings on here yet. I will put the rankings for the final thoughts. I will put all my notes for it and have a more definitive answer. But from the 9K and above range, the guy who stands out to me the most is probably Travis Kelsey here. And then it's very close between Tyree Kill and Damian Williams after that for me. It's just really hard. DraftKings, once again, price these guys very appropriately. I think Mahomes is, for the matchup, without a doubt, overpriced um, for a showdown slate. I think Hill is appropriately priced. I think Damian Williams is appropriately priced. Kelsey appropriately priced. Most starts slightly overpriced. So you're not getting any sort of discount currently. 
you get to this next range here, and here's the problem with Kittle. And somebody mentioned to me in a live stream, and they were absolutely right, and I should have thought more about it. Is Kittle going to be impacted in that Packers game by them just trying to run the ball nonstop? And I thought he would, but not enough to the point where he'd catch one ball and run barely any routes because Jimmy G threw eight times. I don't think anybody was projecting Jimmy G to throw like the third or fourth least times ever in the playoffs and win a football game dating back to the start of football. So even if you were projecting Jimmy G to throw only 20 times, which would have been very low for coming into that game, you project Kittle to see five, six targets in that spot um, on a good day, not just one target or two targets on the eight dropbacks. So again, I'm not going to project eight pass attempts for Jimmy G here in eight dropbacks. I'll probably project somewhere around 20, 24, maybe even a little bit more than that, depending on what this Tevin Coleman news is, which does make me like George Kittle. Now he will still be a blocker, but for a guy that's seeing close to 28% of his team's target share in a game where your quarterback drop back, drops back 24 times, you're still going to see six targets or so. 8,400, that does seem steep to pay for, but you start to drop off a pretty big cliff here in terms of upside, especially with the red zone upside that Kittle has on this showdown slate. So at 8,400, I do like Kittle. Jimmy G at 8,000, there's going to be a lot of people that forget that Jimmy G ranked top five in passing touchdowns, top five in yards per attempt, top five in quarterback efficiency during the regular season. And those are some of those stats like passing touchdowns include volume passing. So he kind of led this team while they were getting through injuries with Breida and Coleman through the middle of the year, Kittle at one point as well, before they were acquiring Manuel Sanders and really working through Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin, if you remember the beginning of the year. So although the last two games have been very, very run heavy because it's it's just worked and they got ahead, I do think that there is a way, and we've seen it all season long, how good Jimmy G has been. He's been getting a very bad rep. I think that's maybe an advantage that we have right now is that people are thinking that Jimmy G is just going to literally hand the ball off eight more times in this game for one of the most rare outcomes that we've seen since the beginning of football time last week in a playoff game, just eight dropbacks. So in a spot where Kansas City does struggle against the run, I understand that people are going to mainly think that this is going to be a, a 18 pass against Jimmy G, 18 pass attempt Jimmy G game. And I, I think that's a possibility as well. But I also think that the amount of ownership that will come in on Jimmy G is going to be so low and low enough based on for what it should be, because people are just going to assume the last two games of the playoffs are what's going to happen. And he's going to throw 15 times. Whereas I think there's a just as likely chance that he throws 25 to 26 times and at $8,000 for $4,600 less than Patrick Mahomes becomes a really good point per dollar option. So Jimmy G right now, I lean towards playing more than I don't only because I think there's going to be a negative rap on him and a an overwhelmingly positive rap on the on the rushing game, which there should be from what you've seen. But once again, just like last year, millionaire maker, um, it's not always what you expect. And Jimmy G throwing for 30 times and 250 yards and two touchdowns, does that seem that wild? No, he did it all regular season long. He's pretty much averaging it. And now you get into some of the wide receivers. Debo Samuel at 7,600. So if you are going to buy into the narrative that the San Francisco 49ers dominate through the passing game this week, or maybe not even dominate, just uh, uh, overproduce the expectations through the passing game, underproduce maybe through the rushing game, then Debo Samuel would be my favorite wide receiver to target, not named George Kittle. At 7,600, again, it's a steep price point, but it does drop off a cliff here. So if you have the money to afford Debo Samuel, I would prefer him over guys like Sammy Watkins, even over his teammate Emmanuel Sanders, who actually comes in $2,400 less. I do like to match up um, for Debo Samuel. He's going to be on the outside. He'll get a matchup against Brashad Breeland, who's been playing very well this year for the Chiefs. Uh, Ward, who's been playing w- much better as the season has gone on. But it, it's still nowhere near the difficulty of what these KC receivers are going to face. So guys like Sammy Watkins, who will primarily run out of the slot, gets to get a matchup against Fuller. And you've seen a lot of Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, go into the slot. Um, that is a, um, that is a, I don't even know what I'm saying there, the honey badger going into the slot. I'm talking about the opposite side of this. You're going to see a lot of, uh, Kwan Williams in the slot against, I thought I was still talking about, um, Emmanuel Sanders, but I'm talking about Sammy Watkins, the next guy on this list, 7,000. You're going to see a lot of Kwan Williams in the slot 
which is definitely a tough matchup for Sammy Watkins. Anything in that secondary becomes even harder if Sammy Watkins moves to the outside. You saw the big game out of Watkins last time out, 60-yard touchdown. He does possess that upside. I just think it's much more difficult for him to get to this week. And again, it'll be ownership. We'll see what the projections look like. But right now, I would favor Debo over Sammy Watkins um, in, in really any type of format if you're playing cash for some reason or GPPs. Then it drops off a cliff. You have the backup quarterbacks. You have Tevin Coleman, who's 6,400, and I'm projecting him not to play. So it goes from $7,000, Sammy Watkin, to $5,200, Emmanuel Sanders, and then it drops off another cliff. So Emmanuel Sanders is 5,200. He's the only guy in the mid-range that's a position player, right? $1,800 more is Watkins, and then you have a huge drop, $1,000 to the kickers in Buckner, and then $1,200 to Robbie Gold the 49ers kicker. And then it drops off again. It drops off even more after that to $3,600, the 49ers defense. And then you finally get another position player, Kendrick Bourne at 3,400. That is an insane tier of salaries. You know what that means? One, not a lot of value. Two, a lot of guys priced up when there's no mid-range. And three, Emmanuel Sanders is a very interesting option in this mid-range because, well, in terms of position players, he's the only one in the mid-range. So I'll go through this again. 7,000 and above a ton of guys. $5,200 is Emmanuel Sanders, then the kickers, then a defense, and then Kendrick Bourne, the slot wide receiver for the 49ers. So I'm very curious to see what the ownership comes in on Sanders. You might by default just get Emmanuel Sanders over-owned because if you have $6,000 left, you can only afford him. There's nobody else in that range. If you have $6,500 left, and let's just assume Tevin Coleman is out, you literally can only afford Emmanuel Sanders. There's nobody left in that range. So I think that there's a really uh, interesting game theory spot here that Emmanuel Sanders, just by default, might go over-owned. Think about it. If you have $6,000 left, are you going to play Emmanuel Sanders at 5200 or a kicker at 4200 I think a lot of people are going to, one, want to play Emmanuel Sanders, and I would too. He has more upside for touchdown upside targets, and he's just a lot more expensive, so people don't like leaving money on the table. With that being said, I think he's fine because he is the only option in that range, but keep a very close eye on some ownership projections and we can, we can discuss them both on Patreon in my closing thought show before the Super Bowl for the showdown slate. Uh, you can get Patreon. I'll link it up right now above if you're interested, but then also we can talk about it over on the final thought show next week around this time, maybe next Thursday or so, uh, maybe next Friday, we can talk about the f- uh, final thoughts on YouTube here and what his ownership is starting to look like because I have a, I have a, a feeling it's going to be higher than it should. The kickers, as always, my disclaimers, I think they're both fine. You can get the both of them. You can try and predict game theories and see which kicker you want to go to. doesn't seem like the game where both kickers are necessary, but neither did last year. So I think both are fine. I, once again, would at, I would roster at most one once again. 49ers defense at 3,600. I think you're going to get 35 to 40 attempts from Patrick Mahomes in this game if I had to just fire a number off the top of my head in a tough matchup um, with a good pass rush and a quarterback dropping back a lot and a guy who likes to target his players downfield. There's always a possibility of turnovers, always a possibility of sacks and then points scored from the defense. So I do prefer the 49ers who have the better pass rush, have the better secondary, better overall defense going to face a team that's probably going to throw more, more times than not in the Chiefs against them, then their team, the 49ers offense is going to throw against the Chiefs defense. So I do prefer for 3,600, the the 49ers defense over the Chiefs. I think both are in play. Matt Breed at 3,200 becomes a lot more interesting to me once Tevin Coleman news breaks. If you were going to project, say, 30 rush attempts instead of the 42 that I think you've gotten two weeks straight now out of the 49ers, say you're going to project 32 rush attempts in this game. You say they throw a little bit more. I think that you can confidently project 16 for most start, maybe around 10 to 12 for Matt Breda, four to five for Jeff Wilson Jr. If Tevin Coleman wants to be out, 
And at 3,200, if you're going to get somewhere around 10 to 12 touches out of a running back, uh, I think, especially in a favorable spot, I do think it's in play. And especially when you factor in that Matt Breida, probably when he's healthy, one of the most underrated pass-catching running backs in the entire league. At 3,200, that seems like one of the better value spots on the slate if it does indeed break our way that Tevin Coleman is ruled out. $3,000 for the Chiefs defense. They are improving with their pass rush. They are improving with their running game and their secondary. All that's improving. It's nowhere near as stout as the 49ers. Do I think it's in play? Yes, because they're 3,000. There's not a lot of value, and we've seen fluky things happen, especially if you're going to force Jimmy G, and they actually can stop the run, force Jimmy G to throw outside the numbers more. This defense is opportunistic, so I do think they're in play. Finally, the rest of the Chiefs receivers into Marcus Robinson and Mecole Hardman. I prefer Hardman at 2200. Seems like one of the better value plays in the slate. The problem is Robinson's going to run around 20, 25 routes in this game, maybe even more. Hardman's only been running like 10 routes per game in the playoffs. The problem is, though, also that Robinson's targets are like six, seven yards downfield, not too much downfield in terms of burners. That's where you're getting a lot of Tyree Kill targets. Whereas Hardman's are mainly downfield or they're trying to prioritize him on when he is on the field. If he runs 10 routes, he might see four targets, might touch the ball two or three times on end rounds. He is also involved in the, in the special teams, the kickoff return game. So that's another little bump for him as well. I do prefer Hardman to Robinson. Robinson will be on the field more times than not about two times as much, but in a matchup against a very good defense, you might see Hardman more involved in some of these gadget type plays. You might see them run more four wide receiver sets with two slot receivers. You don't see that out of the Chiefs a lot. So I do think it's interesting. So those are 17 players that I have interest in, um, factored by price from Mahomes all the way down to Hardman. Tevin Coleman, I haven't read. He's at 6,400. If you told me he was active, I would, I would start to have some interest, but right now I don't think he's going to play. Kendrick Bourne, I'm going to put as a no for right now. He's only 3,400. Again, you could argue with me on this showdown site. How do you have him as a no? And I would say, okay, yeah, I mean, he he could be in play if you want him to be. I'm just trying to X off some names here. He's a guy who I think runs around 16 routes or so if they start to throw more. If Jimmy G is only going to throw 20 times in this game, Kendrick Bourne is going to run about 8 to 10 routes. If Jimmy G throws 30 times, he'll run about 14, 15, 16 routes out of the slot in a matchup. Now, here we go properly against Tyron Matthew, who's been playing a lot of slot cornerback, and it's a brutal spot when Tyron Matthew's not in the slot, which I think they will actually prioritize him in the slot on a lot of these plays, especially in the red zone where they like to target Kendrick Bourne. I think you end up seeing a lot more Kendall Fuller on uh, Kendrick Bourne in between the 20s, but even then Kendrick Bourne's average depth of target and his air yards per target is like five. It's terrible. So at 3,400, Kendrick Bourne, if he's not scoring a touchdown for you and you get the, the upside of the 49ers throwing the ball more, then you probably have a situation where Kendrick Bourne sees two, three targets, two, three receptions for 20, 25 yards. And if there's no touchdown, 3,400 doesn't do much for you. Darwin Thompson should touch the ball a little bit more since McCoy was a healthy scratch last game. Even then, I don't think he touches the ball, sees more than five snaps in this Super Bowl. LaShawn McCoy was a healthy scratch from the last round, not somebody I'm too interested in. Kyle Juszczyk, this time last year, he was one of the best players in the Pro Bowl. He had like five receptions, uh, over 10 fantasy points as a dirt cheap player, very similar price as he is right now. But in this week, he's going to be a guy who I think draws some ownership, and I think he draws a lot more um, buzz than he deserves to. Um, so I guess this is for the fan share sports and all that. If, if they end up quoting this for a buzz, I think it's a negative buzz on him because look, he's 1200, but he's not $200. He's a guy who runs about eight routes per game, eight routes per game when they throw a lot. Otherwise he's heavily involved in the running game. Like he should be. So his eight routes per game when he's the last read on these plays and they don't really prioritize the plays with him much anymore as they did in the previous years, you might get one target in this game for him. You might get one to two rushing attempts at most for one zero to three touches for a fullback whose overall upside per touch is what on average 
five, six yards at four at twelve hundred dollars is expensive. At two hundred dollars, I would have some interest because then it just takes your one yard plunge of a touchdown. Like at twelve hundred dollars, if Kyle Uzcheck, if this game is just not like a seven to three game, and Kyle Uzcheck has one touch for one yard and a in a one yard touchdown and finishes up with six point one points. At $200, that might be needed. There's a good chance it is needed. At $1,200, it's much different. It's six times the price, and you're not getting anywhere near the return on that. Six fantasy points from a $1,200 player, you might think is an automatic lock to be needed. It's not. If it's a very low-scoring game and there's not a lot of point scores at all, well, then, yeah, it starts to become maybe needed. But if this game ends up being 24 to 17... Uh, Kyle Yushek's six points, whether it comes via touchdown, whether it comes via three catches for 20 yards, probably are not going to be needed if I had to guess. Blake Bell at 800, no real interest backup tight end for the Chiefs. Do like him. I'm really honestly, Travis Kelsey Jr., but no real interest. Richie James Jr., not running a lot of routes, mainly just a special teams player. I left him on this list just because he will touch the ball, whether it's in special teams or on offense. Just no interest. So that's 24 players that I think are in play. Um, I ended up putting 17 of them as interests of mine. Tevin Coleman and LaShawn McCoy were waiting to see their statuses. Uh, will LaShawn McCoy actually get to play in the Super Bowl? I don't know. Will Tevin Coleman's shoulder be healed in the next 11 games or 11 days? I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. Hopefully this helps. I will have this more in-depth and detailed next week with some yeses, a rankings of all of the plays that I have in interest of point per dollar-wise, projection-wise. Um, we'll do a closing thoughts video on Super Bowl Sunday, so you can check that out on Patreon, as well as my projections and my tiers for this slate. Um, and then next week, we'll go through some player props that I like for the Super Bowl on YouTube, as well as the final thoughts, do a little bit of video updating you with some notes and a breakdown of each individual player's matchups and where I come in uh, as of next Thursday or Friday on these guys. Thank you. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. Be sure to check out my Patreon exclusive content linked up down below. You can also click the little eye above. It'll pop out a sidebar. Click the Patreon icon. Take you there. You can check out what's over there and check out Fantasy Draft linked up down below. Again, Rake Free Fantasy. If you do want to check it out, you use that link down below. It does help me out. Even if you just want to click it to help me out. But thank you so much. My name is Sal. I appreciate you all tuning in. Best of luck and have a great rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.